not manslight me or manslight me. Hello and welcome back to Misandry with Marsha and Ray. We're so happy to be back. We had quite a big week. Um, we got a shout out on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, which was insane and awesome and never let anyone tell you that writing a tweet about Taylor Swift won't get you anywhere in life <laughs> because it will and I would like to begrudgingly thank her <laughs> for um, bringing me to the attention of Katie Presley who gave us a shout out and that was really nice so thank you thank you to all of our new listeners we're excited to have you welcome to the militia welcome we will make you friendship bracelets we'll send you a suit and armor in the mail um, what else do we give in our care package? Um, we give like earplugs because mm. when the men are screaming in pain, you don't want that to get all in your head. And yes. um, we have knife sharpeners mm. and, um, you know, valerian steel. Everything's cool. Everything. And what's particularly <laughs> as exciting is now in the care package, we're including instructions for a drill we're going to start running every day at noon in the city called the What Whistle, which is where... Um, Everyone, we're going to blow basically an alarm that only men can hear, and the men are going to be disturbed, and they're going to turn to the women, do you hear this? Do you hear this? And we're going to say, what? Hear what? <laughs> wow. What are you talking about? So that leads us to our guest. We are <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Just She's, a natural yeah. segue. She sounds like a what whistle, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. She, we're so excited to have her. Um our guest tonight, she's a writer for The Chris Gethard Show. She just moved back to New York for to write for The Chris Gethard Show. Introducing to the militia, Robbie Hoffman. Hi, thanks for having me. Robbie, so you're from Crown Heights. Well, I mean, I'm not from there. I had my early childhood in Crown Heights. Right. Uh, but I was Hasidic. Right. Uh, so it doesn't really count. I don't know if that, that counts. I mean, at the same time, I'm back here after you know, 20-something years away or something like that, and it's like I'm walking through the streets and I have this gentrifying feeling, but... You're the gentrifier you know, now. People look at me like I'm the gentrifier. I'm like, bitch, this is a homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> I was here. I feel like I need a card to the land or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, I got a right to be here. You're old Brooklyn. You're 1865 Brooklyn, yeah, you know. Yeah, like Crown Heights, like when Crown Heights wasn't, you know, Fifth Avenue. Yeah, that's right. so... My parents live in Crown Heights, and... We were the for only black family on our block mm. for a really long time, and the whole rest of the neighborhood was like, it's so weird. Crown Heights, before it started gentrifying and people started calling it Prospect Lefferts Gardens. Right. I don't know what that is. But it, it'd be like, on one side of Nostrand Avenue is all West Indians, mm -hmm. and then on the other side is all Hasidic people. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. So you're back, and then because after... New York, you and your family left and went to Canada. Canada. Yes. Yeah. So I mostly came up in, in, in Canada. Um, and I, I stayed for university. I went there. And then I've been in L.A. for a while. And now I'm back here. Um, I was writing mostly on scripted shows in L.A. And I'm back here writing on the live Chris Gethard show. So it's been fun. Yes. And we've done a bunch of shows together because that's how I yeah. met you is I met you uh, through Mike Kaplan's show at QED. And then we just like did, you know, we had the show at the Jane together. Greta Teitelman show. Yeah, and your She's show, a great Stevie. Stand -up. And my show, Stevie, we had you on. Stevie, yeah. a new monthly show based, um, inspired by Stevie Nicks. 
Um, yeah, it's true. It's a witch-themed show. Because we wanted to do a witch-themed show and also a show inspired by Stevie Nicks. And so I thought, let's do both. Uh, okay, so it's like Coven. Yeah. It's, it's like American Horror Story. It's a coven. We did hexes on people. And then after yes. our hexes, we did, you know, a hex on Sean Spicer. And then we said, and also with you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just yelled about Nazis for like 10 minutes. <laughs> this is why I love. We were saying Robbie and I are going to go on a Holocaust jokes tour. We're going to go on a really dark. Excuse me. Excuse me. Not a Holocaust joke. Yeah. Um, a World War Two joke. Right. 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 Because, right, because actually, you're a real feminist comedian. Yeah. We're actually the only two women on the scene with the World War Two joke. So <laughs> that's really exciting. And that's why me and Robbie like each other. Because like normally we don't really hang out with girls because they're too much drama. But um, <laughs> we're guys gals. So that's why we get along. Exactly. Um, but yeah. So are you liking being back? And is it weird? I mean, I like it. I mean, people, you know, it, it's it's hard to talk about New York to New Yorkers because I remember how proud, like, when I moved to Canada, even my whole life, even though most of my life ended up being in Canada, I was still like, well, I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. When you're from New York, you're from New York, you know? Right. You could tell from my attitude that I'm most definitely from New York. That attitude from, all, like, that's how New Yorkers live their life outside. And then you come back and... It is, it is strange, you know, because I lived in, in less populated areas, I guess, mm-hmm. less dense areas. And it's, I'll say this, I, I don't consider myself not a people person. I think I like people. I don't think I'm cynical. I'm over people. I don't like people. I like people. Mm-hmm. I don't care for strangers. Right. That's where I realized coming to New York. I don't care to be surrounded by millions of strangers. I'm always turning around like, huh, who's behind right, me? There's no boundaries elbow is touched here. by yeah. somebody I don't know who touched the elbow. I got to go wash the elbow. <laughs> it's like, it, it, it's too, cl- I would say it's a couple inches too close. Yeah, you had this strong New Yorker energy and then you come back to New York. It's like barely enough to survive. <laughs> I'm already complaining like a New Yorker. Like I'm two days in New York. I'm already city's overpopulated. Well, like, I'm not even from here. And I felt people my whole life asked me if I was from New York because my dad's from Philly and I had this like East Coast energy yeah. for this Jew raised in Oklahoma. And it was funny because my whole life being Jew, being Jewish was like this thing that made me different. And then now I live in New York and it's like if I say I'm Jewish to people, they're like, yeah. So what? Okay. Yeah, that's so fascinating to me because uh, most white people in New York City, they're Irish, Italian or Jewish. Right. So like... Um, when I was in high school, I knew a lot of people with Irish last names, Italian last names, or Jewish last names, and all the black people I knew had Jenkins, Johnson, Washington, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got to Princeton that I was like, "Oh, oh, you're the people who gave those black people those names." <laughs> oh, yeah. okay, because there the was lineage. like, yeah, because I'd be like, I, I didn't, I don't think I met many wasps or anything until I right. was. In college, like, so it's really crazy. It wasn't until, like, uh, this administration, like, so, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, anti-Semitism is really horrible. And I'd be like, I feel like Jewish people are fine. Right. And then, like, I started looking and I was like, oh, it's it's not fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not fine at all. It's, like, such a bizarre thing to, like... I didn't know all these we things. We concentrate as a safety measure. I right. <laughs> Concentration Ron- camps, not for no reason. Right. <laughs> Ron Krasnow, who's a, a Jewish comedian from Boston, but he's in New York now. He had to tell me, he was like, yeah, the media elite is a secret code word for Jew. Globalism. Globalist is a secret word for Jew. That's I had no idea. Well, there was this whole thing about Trump was, you know, gave some angry speech about globalism with all of his aides in the room with Michael Cohen shuffling his feet uncomfortably or whatever. 
And this was after he had already defended him after the Charlottesville. It's, it's great that he much. shuffled his feet. He could have thrown off his shoes and thrown <laughs> them. You know what I mean? Yeah, he that whole that whole like I'm uncomfortable, but I'm here because someone's got to be the adult in the room. It's like fuck off, Please. man. I do not need the Trump presidency to go smoothly. No, do you know what I mean? That's what's crazy too. It's like also they now so clearly know that the second that they jump off ship, they're going to be welcomed with open arms. Like we saw Sean Spicer on the Emmys last night, and it just sends such a message. Like. Hey, you get out of there, you're going to get a book deal, you're going to get a press tour, you're going to get to be on Dancing with the Stars, Hollywood liberals are going to smile and take photos with you, no one's going to be mad at you, because you can just become part of the spectacle and be like, well, that was crazy, not keeping in mind that he promoted the travel ban, that he said that Ju- that Hitler didn't use chemical warfare, <laughs> direct That's, quote. That is like no, bogus. Because yeah. if he's into, they don't see it. You know, it's right. like we talked about... Just before we got here and I was talking about, you know, men saying, well, well, Hillary lost because of sex is sexism, but also no, but not. But also, do you know, the, the buck ends there because it's like they cannot see that how huge that is before you right. tackle the million other things you have to say about her don't even add up to a tenth of what that meant. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is like, you know, it's like I had this conversation with my brother-in-law. He was telling me about it was sexism. But also I said, imagine my brother-in-law works in, you know, he's just a professional lawyer and works in a very professional setting. And I was like, imagine you just walked into work and everybody was women. Mm-hmm. Like most of the people that you saw on your floor were women. Yeah, you'd be like, alarmed. How isn't that so weird? And right, he's like that would be weird. I'm like, that's what we do every day. I go into work. I most places I've worked, everywhere I go, most of the people are men. Well, yeah, not only do they not see it that way, but if that situation turns to 25% being women, they see that as 80% women. So if they walk into yeah. an office that's a fourth women, they're like, I'm being replaced, and there's going to be no job for me now. And yeah. it's like we're not even half yet. You know? not even ha- and it's like they cannot they, they truly can't see, can't see it it's not something that you're able to see it's like you have to be in the shoes you have to experience yeah. it so I don't think that's like- true though because I feel like you don't have to like I don't have to know like I don't have to be in a wheelchair to know being in a wheelchair might suck it's, yeah. you're a woman right but that's the thing it's like there are people who have not had to activate whatever empathy chips that mm-hmm. exist within us and they're quite comfortable not doing so and that's I think what we saw like there's always like men will always find a way to connect with one another it just always happens like even when there's a racial divide they'll mm-hmm. still come together on being dudes you mm-hmm. know and so like mm-hmm. it's alec baldwin will throw his arm around sean Spicer yeah and be like i've had bad jobs too yeah so it's like there's always like a manly guffaw that they can always share that we don't have any access to and it's like very frustrating because like I can't imagine looking at this person who like for a good four months like insulted our intelligence and lied to our faces every day mm-hmm. but you embrace him so openly but um I the like I was talking about this pretty recently like do you remember Dennis Hasker Hasker yes mm-hmm. the former speaker of the house who um, who went to jail because um, he was trying to f- he defrauded his bank to hide the fact that he was paying off 
some kid that he had molested when he was his Ugh. gym teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And he got sentenced to prison, not for the molestation. I think the um, uh, statute of limitation had expired by then. But he was go supposed to go to jail for the, the, the fraud. And I shit you not, this is a man who is admitting that he molested children. Mm -hmm. There's no hearsay. He's admitted He's it. Yeah. Senators and Congress people wrote character witness statements on his behalf so that he wouldn't be in jail. Only men can do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. That you can yeah. you can you can literally watch someone you can have a person admit to what I think we've all decided is the worst kind of crime, like sexual abuse on children. And you could be like, well, we had some late nights drafting bills or like editing right, bills, our lobby. That's yeah. I'm a pedophile. Yeah, it's like, well, I do have, here's what I have about pedophilia also. This is on PC. And I think that, uh, I, I think that, you know, a famous comedian has, has, has touched on this idea. But I do bless God as a queer person or bless whatever I don't, you know, whatever forces um, that I was not born a pedophile. Because there's no way to satiate that. I get to satiate living in 2017 my sexual desires, and I am thankful for that. But I get to sleep with women, and, and that's amazing. There was a time that that was illegal. Okay, now, the thing with kids, obviously, is it'll never be legal because it's not consensual. There's no question. These people do need help. He shouldn't admit... I don't know if jail's the answer, but something else is the answer, and these people don't need to write character things, and especially taking advantage. But I think that... If you get a like, job working like a at a sick... school, if you get a job working at a school and you're a pedophile, you are wrong. Oh, that absolutely. is it. Yeah. That is that is it. That's absolutely tough yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. black. You're a pedophile. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You don't yeah. get to act on that. No, you don't shit. get to and act on it. I don't think you're born ever. a pedophile because it's conditioned because it's been shown now. Like Jerry Sandusky's kid is now molesting other children because oh, wow. if you are molested as a child, it's like if you watch Capturing the Freedmen's like. People who are molested as children then right. grow up to be pedophiles. That's actually a false statistic. Is it? I mean, yes, it? Okay. it's a so false statistic. Um, okay. Only something like, like ten percent of kids so. who are abused end up being abusers. It's like so. It's a bad way to like put this on those kids. Like not Seems only like are you a victim, but you might become though. a pedophile. Yeah, yeah that's it's not true. Yeah. I mean, it's scary, but it's like I don't see it. Like it's interesting because like you also have like the multi-wives like mormon latter-day saints people arguing that polyamory is like the same thing as like lgbtq rights and it's like there becomes this like interesting conversation where it's like but when are people harmed like to me there's it's never a problem between consenting uh, it's, uh, yeah. adults consenting there's never yeah exactly polyamory is fine as long as it's consenting polygamy is fine as long as it's consenting. the problem is, is we don't fine. know polygamy is consenting these women as far as we know, there's a lot of underage polygamy going on. Right. So we know it's not consenting. So that's where the issues lie. Um, you know, if a polyamorous couple decided to devise some kind of a relationship structure wherein, you know, the male partner had two girlfriends and they didn't interact with each other, but they were all consenting with that, that would be fine to me. And that is polygamy yeah a lot of things but are fine not they're happening. not advisable though right like yeah. po polygamy is not this thing that exists in a vacuum it's a patriarchal yeah. system designed by people who may who intend to maintain control and often treat women like property yes mm -hmm. so i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh yeah i mean yeah, polygamy I is fine it's no, like no, no. i don't need to talk fine. about the exception exactly polygamy is terrible because the way it's happening is terrible and i don't need to talk about the other ways mm -hmm. that i could conceive it to be yeah yeah i mean like 
like that's if not it, how it's if, happening. If, I yeah, agree. if it were like the kind of thing yeah. where okay, we are all comfortable in like our sexuality, and you know, women learned how to be you know polyamorous in the same way that men are encouraged to be. Like I'd be more inclined toward it. And if you have the constitution to be in a polygamous polygamous relationship and you don't feel abused or put upon bless you but like as a concept i mean in most places that polygamy is legal it's only legal one direction right exactly. it's not legal for a woman to have more than one um more than one husband my parents both had polygam polygamous parents and they are both damaged because of yeah it. no no mm -hmm. i agree it's completely the way it, it is terrible i will say that it's possible also that polyamory only stem for men's inability to find out that their wives or their the partners were cheating on them i think if reverse i don't know the polyamory i think men have always been probably polyamorous or cheating hmm. but now it's like you know what i mean like whether or women if they were like ever get like if any of this existed in a vacuum like if we could ever live in a world where women would truly not have to fear sexual shame like no mm -hmm. matter the number yeah. of partners then we could talk about where polyamory like where it could go or where it could lead to equal footing because i'm sure women have like more desires like to not be tied down but they've just sure. never allowed to been to ma be made to feel that way especially because they're like if you don't have a kid by 39 you're fucked yeah you know? 39 that is generous <laughs> yeah that's know, the most generous okay so that's where you okay you <laughs> that is really generous like, I want to have a kid by I've been waking up with night sweats because I'm 29 I'll be 30 in December and I'm like I want a baby even though I don't want a baby I know every time I, I see a puppy or a baby I'm like I want and then my body is like Marsha look at your bank account <laughs> <laughs> no I don't even get that. I think I'm getting the like, yeah. I think I'm getting the. I think only. Be I think you should have a baby. I think some people, no, because I think that there's some people who should procreate and some that that shouldn't. Like I look at my family. You're smart. And I, and my, no, no, my parents <laughs> had ten, and I'm going. What for? <laughs> <laughs> we could have done with two or three of these. There's nothing to write home about about these. What are you? What are you having a litter? And then I met an only child who's just like a model, brilliant, amazing person inside and out. And I'm like, why don't you have any siblings? Right. <laughs> Only yeah. child syndrome is real too. Sometimes it's like yeah. I'll meet people where you're just like, oh wow, you never had a sibling scaring yeah. you. <laughs> like you my know, girlfriend's just like, like spectacular. She has one sibling, ten years her senior, and it's like a shame that her parents couldn't have or didn't have more. I'm like, she's a kind, nice person <laughs> in general. I'm like, look at us. Like we're like. You know, my brother's still like, you owe me $4, by the way. <laughs> we're, like, we're like the pettiest of people. I mean, 10 kids, like, yeah, like, that is a lot. And you guys all went to Canada? We all did. My mother, it was like, not without my, mo it was like, not without my daughter times 10 mm. in America. Right. It was like straight up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy that you got out, that, you know, you guys didn't have to stay in these. I always keep saying my friend was telling me about these um, Hasidic diaspora communities that have sprung up in Jersey, mostly women and children who have escaped the like wow. Hasidic controlling situations. And it's really insane to read about the lengths the Hasidic communities have gone where at first they try and get these women and children back and then they just completely cut off contact and they're like completely exiled and there are these whole towns in Jersey, like hundreds and hundreds of people that have formed where because it's like they still kind of live within the traditions, but hmm. the men aren't there. Hmm. They're like, this is so much better. Oh, yeah. My mother, it was so interesting when we moved to Canada. We didn't really know the vibe. My dad wasn't there, but we were still religious. So, you know, Sabbath would come along on Friday and my mother just assumed mm -hmm. the role of mm -hmm. father. And it's like, yeah, in, in our 
religious tax if the father isn't capable or able to be there the woman assumes the responsibilities of the father my mother just you know what are the responsibilities the of the father she did the, the blessing on the oh, okay. she put a you know she covered her head like they do mm-hmm. she lifted the the glass of wine and she performed kiddish mm-hmm. and that's now how i remember shabbat right because for the rest of my life every friday my mother did the kiddish mm-hmm. and my mother assumed very literally man like my father and my mother Mm. And it was interesting to see her do both roles so, like, in your face. Right. Do you mind, like, explaining, like, if you don't uh, mind? Like, how did you guys get away? It's such a long story and it will cut off. Um, It really is not that different from Not Without My Daughter. I will say this. um, My grandparents, my maternal grandparents are uh, from Montreal. They're Mm -hmm. in Canada. And they were not religious. And they were my mother's kind of lifeline. Mm-hmm. So your my, mother was not raised Hasidic. She wasn't, but Jewish and traditional, but right. very much how, how we, you know, the Jews. There's like a divide in Jew. Like my dad was raised Orthodox, but there's a huge gap between that and Hasidic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they were Jewish traditionally, culturally, sure, like I am now. I'm not religious, but nobody's going to look at me and not say Jewish. Right. You know, I am. <laughs> you Jew- told me that I'm the, the Jewish person you've ever met outside yourself. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. And it was refreshing because I thought I'd come back to New York. You know, all these Jews, you know. But really, this hasn't been that many Jewy Jews. No, we're being you know? kicked out of comedy. We're being pushed you, out. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice to see another Jewish Jew. I'm like, oh, okay. I thought I was going crazy. I was expecting. This was my, you know, this is the home. You know, well, everybody in New York is from, like, Ohio now. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Right, exactly. Right. I'm like, I'm going back to the motherland. So, so um, culturally my, Jewish, your mom's side of the family. Yeah, so my mother then, um, my mother saw problems with the community, uh, racism. Uh, my mother was, by the way, brought up very, uh, she was brought up very well, and she was brought up with good morals and family and values and very Canadian values, mm-hmm. um, uh, or at the time what those Canadian values were pre-Stephen uh, Harper and some other things, when Canada was trying a little mm-hmm. harder. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> and that's the way she grew up. So, you know, seeing racism or seeing the the lack of education or secular education that my brothers in particular experienced, just they didn't sit right with what she fell in love with in this community all the values that she you know she realized that a lot of it was um was not necessarily doctrine but was like community influence mm. and it wasn't rules but right. they were just racist but there was nowhere in the words that said they had to be mm-hmm. there's no in the words that said that her her boys couldn't learn english literature and mm, be right. educated in this way but that's just the way it was in the community once she mm. uh accepted it so she ended up, you know, she was far in. She had 10 children, you know, yeah. by the end of 30. So it's pretty, uh, deep. It's pretty so deep in. She was pretty deep in and not much options, not her own money, not anything. Oh, wow. no. And nothing, you know. Yeah, just that's the whole thing. They kids. don't let you drive. They don't let you have your own she money. She doesn't have a license. She has nothing. She's just a milk machine. Did she have help raising you guys? No help raising us. Ten kids. I mean, we raised each other to sure, an extent, too. There's a co-raising that happens in a family of 12. And right, people go, How course. is it like? Or it's like, I didn't grow up with a father after my... my, mm-hmm. my uh, even when I, we were with my father, I didn't grow up with a father. I wouldn't... You know, any notion of what I think a father is is not something I right. had. But, um, but I'm like, well, I also... You don't have five brothers and four sisters. Right. Like, that kind of community that I'm like... Yeah, I have I have very close friends, and I love them like family. But if I didn't have them, I still have very close friends. Right, right. You that know, you were like born my, into. My brothers and yeah. sisters. It's like you can't even. You know, it's it's just it's 
baked in. It's a community, and we co-raise in a sure. way that is different. Um, What's the age difference between the oldest and the youngest? It's almost 12 years, 10 Okay, years. yeah, I can so see that. So it's about yeah, a like, kid a year. Everybody's, yeah, everybody's raising a, a person year. younger than them. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, not only do I see my little brother, it's my little brother, but I remember changing his diaper. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. It's like, it's such a pleasure mm-hmm. to see him doing what he's doing. Yeah, oh, that's very sweet. Diapers, you know so what I mean? nice. But it's like, I was five changing his diaper. Yeah. Right. Why do I, it doesn't you know. seem weird when you're like in the situation. But uh, like, I mean, that also seems weird. like, I know this is going to sound silly, but that also sounds like kind of fun. You know how like, um, there's always <laughs> like, like on a TV dozen. show, like when, <laughs> when a toddler has to get used to the fact that mom's bringing home a new baby. And then right, they there's like, none of that. And there, no, but there's the, there's that little like, okay, mommy, I'm going to change yeah. his diaper. That's kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah, Except it was like, I imagine it's a Robbie. You better go change the diaper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I imagine it's like you're just wanting to be a kid. It's like get this shit all over your hands, out of my face. It's like you just want to go play outside. It's like, did you walk the baby? Did you walk the baby? Like literally, you gotta walk. I'm like, what does he need to be walking? Like, he's gotta have fresh air. It's like it's New York. There's no fresh air. Why are we even walking? You so know? your mom had none of her own money. She so yeah. So her and her father. She was very close to her father. And my, and my grandfather, you know, uh, the last greatest man I know. Mm-hmm. And he's no longer with us. And so now I'm I'm fine with you, Marjorie. You always say they could all go. Mm. I agree. Except for my dad. I yeah. There's a co- you guys, I'm like sorry, but I really like having sex with dudes. No, <laughs> yes. every woman So we say, gotta we keep our slips. Do no, we have yeah. like a man yeah. slip? Right, we can keep sexual. You, you know, know what the rule can... should be? Yeah. Every woman has to vote for you to stay. Well that's like, oh, you have to be on somebody's unanimous, list. Yes. Like, oh like my no, God. you like everybody every like woman this. gets to pick her men, but if you're not on any woman's list, so the men have to go up to women now. And they have to kind of bid. This you know, they have to campaign. Like so this was my, I always said that alive. every woman gets to save two pending okay. board approval. Mm, yes. So there's a board this. of women that have been hand voted by the militia. Beautiful. And so it's like, you can save two, but if the board is like, you're seriously trying to slip rad by us. It's not yeah. Happen. So, so I'm I thinking the rules that. are like, okay, you had to have read some Angela Davis somewhere, right. right? And you have to have talked. You have to every day talk to a woman for longer than 20 minutes that you're not sexually attracted to. Well, and before all that, first of all, you have to recite a full list of male crimes, which is going to take <laughs> you, which is going to take you five to ten years. Okay. <laughs> so once you're it, done with that. Yeah. Then we go through then, this. Yeah. Then we have a series then, of tests. Uh, so you, like, you personally have to pass the Bechdel test. Absolutely. <laughs> and we've been monitoring you this whole time. So you're going to say, oh, I'm ready to be tested now. And it's like, you've been tested. I think it could be failed. more selfish. I think it could be women, if if, if whoever women want to fuck can yeah. stay. Mm-hmm. I think it should be up to you. Listen, you're saying because I want to fuck you. Like a I reverse don't objectification think, for a few I years. I think, yeah, I think we can do that. We can we can just say, well, you're around because we want to fuck you. Yeah, And but, then you're around because, you know, you're my dad and I really love well, you. See, like, you can be selfish about the reason why you keep these men, But too. what if they're not satisfied hiding in bunkers? <laughs> <laughs> but also, I just feel like, ugh, you know how, like, every, um, you know how, like, every heist movie has that one character who may or may not sell out the crew? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like I might have those tendencies if a dude's tall and big enough. You are not gonna sell yeah. out the militia, Ray. Oh my god, listen. Uh-oh. Listeners, ignore her. I'm so worried. No, I'm Ray so worried. God, Ray no, NBA it. players she make won't. me so weak. I'm so worried. Oh we both Tristan, have a weakness for Russell. Oh my god, Tristan Canadian? Thompson is the hottest dude alive. But he's trash. Him. He left his baby mom 
mama to be with a Kardashian. So I can write that one Love off. The Kardashians, but I'm very a big worried. family on TV. I'm not going to say no. Uh, not going to oh, say come no. On. I just, I just feel like you, like I can think a Tristan dude is a trash. Child? Tristan left his pregnant baby mama to be with Khloe Kardashian. Yes. Okay, well, he should never have been with her to begin with then. Okay. He doesn't love her. But then the thing is, I know this intellectually, but I still have the damage of patriarchy on me. Yes. And I'm very worried that Tristan Thompson would be like, hey, and I would lose everything i stand for like, right this is where when i say handcuff yourself to every woman you see this yeah. is where that comes into play as if you know if we happen to be going through a particularly not just horny but dangerously horny moment, <laughs> the militia yeah. will cuff you and we'll take care of it and then you'll get your needs met don't worry we have we're reprogramming the we female sex robot yes. to fight for us yes we'll create very high-tech male sex yes robots. can we yes my friend uh my friend told me she just turned 36 and she looks amazing and she just told me <laughs> she told me that like uh She's never wanted sex more in her life. You get so horny in your 30s. And I'm already like at 29 getting like monstrous around You're already selling at the militia. I just heard about it today. I know. I know. I'm so worried. I'm like so worried about myself. You get male horny in your 30s as a woman. Oh, really? Wait, okay. So before we digress too much. I cannot wait. So your grandfather, (laughs) your grandfather, who's the last living good man besides my own father. So basically, I mean, it was very quick, quick from then. I mean, he started seeing cracks. He stayed very, you know, he made made excuses for why he needed to come down to the U.S. You know, he's like, oh, you know, they have a business proposal i right. gotta come mm-hmm. look at or there's a sale on toilet paper only in burlington i'll be nearby mm-hmm. you know it's this he just kept tabs he was just a great okay. father he was close to my mother he kept that and then one day he just looked at her it can't be call me if you need me it's no like, he kept major in a cult. and he would just pop in oh there was a soil uh, there was a sale on tangerines we had tangerines <laughs> for six weeks came so all the way from yeah. canada yeah i just wanted to bring you some tangerines for the kids i'm just here for the kids oh, that's so my sweet. father and him didn't you know um he kind of looked at my father after six or seven kids and i'm seventh but he he said i said you know zadie what did you think was happening like you were losing he was like i just like i even tried to reason with your father i would say you know you're having all these kids Mm -hmm. what are you how are you planning to do this Mm -hmm. and my father allegedly just looked up at the sky and said whatever like his Hashem will. will provide whatever his will and and hashem providing was my grandfather providing he's like i'm right. hashem of course <laughs> <laughs> and i'm on a I fixed income i am a senior <laughs> yeah. citizen now you know i'm on a fixed income right you know i did well but i did well for two kids right mm-hmm. whatever his I plan did well is for you know we had a nice life for this you know i i think i had a nice family but you know we thought about these things mm. you know and and then at a certain point, he just looked at my mother and she was, you know, they had a terrible marriage as well, my parents. Oh, and he just, uh, thank you. And and he just looked at, and she just, he said, uh, you look tired. And mm-hmm. she said, yeah, I am tired, daddy. Hmm. And he said, let's go home. And she said, okay. And he sprung into action. Wow. He called his he brother her in Montreal, my, uh, my great uncle Eddie, who's no longer with us. He's uh, who was single and just an amazing man mm-hmm. into music and um, living in a small duplex in, in Montreal. And he said, uh, Eddie, uh, I'm bringing Connie and the 10 home. Wow. Mm. So get bunk beds, get whatever you need from Walmart. We'll Incredible. be there hopefully within two weeks. We're going to go through immigration. We moved in February in the middle of a school year. Wow. Uh, and how old were you two at the weeks, time? Uh, I was, you know, I was just a kid. So within two weeks, I guess 
I mean, some people stayed. I think some of my older siblings had to finish. They wanted to finish out the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they with, stayed with, with, with family. Okay. and th- Yeah. And uh, it wasn't and dangerous for them to stay behind. It was. They were watched. There was there was other stuff going on. Um, and we were just in Canada. Like it, it felt like a snap. It felt right. like my my grandfather just kicked it into high gear. And we were supposed to be at my great uncle's house temporarily. I mean, he is small duplex. It was a single elderly mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. who was a butcher and just lived a normal life played in an orchestra and i feel you know, like when orchestra and women. butcher isn't a normal life that's really cool he was in the canadian that's army really cool. he played, was in the army band oh, okay. and so he always kept that's up with awesome. his trumpet um and i was left one of his trumpets when he died in 77 dollars uh, uh everybody got a hundred dollars after taxes and dues we all got 77, <laughs> 77 canadian dollars and then he left 10 us kids each. not gonna be much inheritance yeah, he know. left us each like a like a like a specific thing like oh, i got really a sweet. trumpet so and my sweet. brother got like some crate of records that that's like really cool and um and we were supposed to be there temporarily and my mother is still in that house so it's okay. like is literally he's he's passed and we were there we grew up, we moved into his little mm-hmm. three-bedroom duplex there. and a million of us just piled in i shared a room with three girls and two girls and then i got my own room for a year and then i moved out at 17 and mm-hmm. um was it there was just like amazing. A, I, I hope it's not like an invasive question but was there like a like a a kind of like tense like escape moment like do you remember or was it the kind of thing just like okay we're all leaving no i didn't remember community, 10 kids leaving i mean that's a huge that's huge I, remember, yeah. I, I stayed home with my it's mother a threat actually to the people who stay too you know? i stayed home with my mother actually to help with the babies and i remember that um some of my a couple of my older siblings were at school and their schools had been notified to drop them off um in the apartment where my grandfather was staying okay near us um and i was holding my my baby sister and um and and my grandfather was there to join us and i was always so excited to see him and he mm-hmm. was always so lovely when you saw mm-hmm. him and and he was like let's just get in the car and there was two cars there two taxis and they took us there and uh, we, we were told about moving to canada and right. we were pretty excited about the snow mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and, that's very sweet and we They're had like, my grandfather's best friend who was a french canadian cop german rest in peace also he uh he was there as well and he had teddy bears and all kinds of stuff for us and uh they made it kind of fun right so they don't and, want the kids to be scared or to well, know we, were scared. Like, we saw my mother crying and my mother was tense okay. and we all mm-hmm. just wanted to comfort her like go talk go hug mom what yeah do? yeah go hug mom yeah so, so go to mom yeah, we immediately rallied for my mother. We were always team ma. Right. You know? Of course. Um, and so it I was think just... kids instinctively know who's taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do remember, you know, landing in Montreal and we landed at the uh, Mirabel Airport, which no longer exists. Um, and my great uncle Eddie was there. And all these kids, we all just ran to him. And he had this big white van where he was going to bring the 10 kids and his <laughs> mother back, you know, his niece's kids back. And my mother said that that was the scariest moment. Talking to her later, she said, all I had in my purse was papers. It was God. full, but just with papers. And I felt so embarrassed going back to my dad, mm-hmm. like a failure. Hmm. And then my grandfather, before he died, he recorded this video. He would always video him. And he said, knowing the 10 of us has been the greatest joy of his life. Wow. And so he's just like, it so was, he just he's wanted just, her to be safe. He said, it's all about family. And at the end of the day, he got his kid back. 
and she came with 10 presents and he just, <laughs> he just wanted to be with her, you yeah, know? Right. And, um, lived a long, amazing life. And he's one, and it, you know, this is the craziest thing we've been talking about him because September 18th is his birthday. Oh, September 18th, 1925, Nathan Latofsky. Happy birthday, Nathan Latofsky. Yeah. That's Rest so crazy. It's, it's actually an omen. It's the craziest thing we're even talking about. Cause I just realized when I was leaving work, September 18th is Zadie's birthday. We wow. would have had a little sponge cake. Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> that is sweet. I'm happy that you escaped, you know, and now you get to be a comedian. Could you, is, is being a comedian such a crazy thing for your mom to try and understand? Or well, like, what else could it? I have been? <laughs> what, what the hell else? I'm like, right. looking. I'm like, I try, you know, I tried to do other things, but it's like, what am I doing with this? Right. <laughs> this is the most insane thing. You're like this, you know, I have a single hearing impaired mother i'm mm-hmm. seventh born to this mental case what else am i gonna do <laughs> so i, feel I mean like that's how you gotta get it when i try and explain to people like the insanity of comedy it's like yes it's draining and yes it's hard like i still have a full-time day job you know but it's like i really there's never been an option to do anything else that's how i feel i'm like there's nothing else i could do there's I never wish. been anything else i felt i mean maybe i could have done i was setting up i was training to be an immigration lawyer i learned spanish i was like setting up to go to law school <laughs> yeah. and then i was like <laughs> <laughs> no but i wish i wish i could be happy i look at these people i once was on a flight and I saw this lady, she was next to me, and I, I, I don't, she was watching just regular movie. Think of the most regular, mm. right? Like, you know, Kevin James type comedy. <laughs> Mall cop. And yeah, she was laughing at every line, every tag hit. Oh my every God. Every big joke hit. She, this woman was having a ball. There was not one joke that was missed on this lady and i looked at her and i thought i wish i know look how happy this lady is she can laugh at everything i barely laugh i'm like uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> like i can't even laugh i'm like this lady like i just wish and she probably has this regular job where she likes the people she brings in cupcakes that she makes on a sunday right. sometimes she likes the event when it's somebody's birthday in the office she loves it until she, she drives into exciting. traffic yeah. at 54 you know that's you know it's so funny i was thinking about this the other day because uh one it's so ridiculous that like you can't just enjoy stuff that I like mm-hmm. have to intellectualize my consumption of reality television. <laughs> like I have to be like, okay, well, this is a fascinating study in what white wealth looks like in America. Yeah. I can't just like just Real like Housewives it. of Beverly Hills. I have to be like, well, I could see how this kind of woman would support Trump. Like it right. just doesn't. I just did that with the Kardashians. Yeah. So I'm like, well, it's a big family. I'm like, no, I fucking love this shit. <laughs> no, no, I love the Leah Remini. Scientology yeah. show, and I, I was just told by somebody well, I need to watch it I mean you have it. to watch oh, it like but honestly crazy. I'm like I keep being like well it's important to know yeah. and expose these things about a cult and I'm like you love the drama <laughs> yes you I love yes. the drama in LA I drive by that like even if it's not on my the, room I'm like yeah, I might as well go by the Scientology Center the castle, I always yeah. do a slow drive by mm-hmm. looking at it, it does not get old to me I'm like holy shit I know do you know like I swear to god this is gonna sound crazy but like <clears throat> when I was 17 my 17 year old one of my best friends at the time her stubbornness saved me I would be Elizabeth Moth right now oh. yeah because um, they don't really do it much anymore but like outside of um, Times Square yeah. they would have this table and it would say like uh, like they would like free stress tests right right, right. the e-meters yeah and I was like 17 and I had just um, started using birth control. So my hormones are like 
uh, like off the charts and like I was really depressed over some boy and I was about to go to college like everything was kind of like out of whack and my family had just moved so I was like walking around with you know useless mm-hmm. things that now that I'm 29 sounds so bratty but I was like really just not good and so my friend and I were like walking past this e- this table and mm-hmm. it's like do you want to take a stress test That's when and then I it. was like sure and so like in retrospect so they gave me this metal like baton like thing yeah, the and it's hooked up oh to God. the meter it's all about it. and so I so they like they give it to me and in retrospect I'm sure like if you touch it even a little bit it goes off the charts but they I'm sitting there they're like this woman's like, wow, you are so stressed. What is going on? Right. And my dumbass starts spilling everything. That's what they do. Oh, my dad and my mom don't get along. And my friend Chantel, she's the most stubborn, headstrong person I know. She's awesome. And she is like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. And Rafat's here sobbing. Like, I'm like, oh, and he, he left me for another girl. <laughs> And so then after this, I'm my dumbass thinks everybody's giving a shit about me or whatever. I feel like I've connected oh to this woman. This is fascinating. Like this is how they this get people. So right. This is how this is how they got my mother, by the way, for to be Hasidic. Oh, Same, yes, 17, right. didn't have a lot of friends, yes. was feeling vulnerable, yes. things like that, lonely, and she felt a community. Here yeah. was the Bulldog, and she, right. they were so welcoming and warm. And, oh yeah, God. exactly. And so what happened was, this is the trick. So... Mm-hmm. The, I was talking to a woman, like a young, attractive woman. She seemed very friendly. And, right. And then so she was like, um, she was like, well, I have a thing that might be a solution for you. And I was like, okay. She was like, here's it's a called book Dianetics. called Dianetics. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know what Dianetics is. And she was like, oh, well, it's a book written by L. Ron Hubbard. And I at least knew that name because of the Tom Cruise, Katie right. Holmes thing. Yes. Uh, so I was like, oh, that Thank sounds like, gossip. right? I was like, oh, that Baruch sounds. Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be. Okay. I was like, what does that mean? Um, so like. We're speaking in our little Jew codes. So. No, I'm, I'm really grateful for your Jew code. code. Um, but so, so um, I was like, no, I like, uh, that sounds not, my family's Muslim and yeah. Uh, right. And she was like trying to be persuasive. And then I swear to God. This guy, uh, this big, tall guy, I'm sitting on a chair, mind you. She and I are both sitting at a table. And this big, tall guy with a lisp, I'll never forget it. He's like, he puts his arm on my shoulder like this. It wasn't painful, but it was like forceful almost. And he's like, you should really check the book out. Uh Uh-uh, no. And so I was so intimidated I ended up paying $10 for this Dianetics book and it's still in my parents' bookcase. Wow. And the whole time Chantel's like, Rafa, let's go. Your parents let's have to go. take it out of their well, bookcase. So my mom, People will come over and <laughs> lose their shit. Yeah. Well, so my mom, I told my mom what happened and she was like astounded because I've always been like a headstrong kid and she was really surprised that they I had get been pr- like peer pressured that way. And then she was like, give me this book. I want to read it. I want to know how crazy they are because she knew about Scientology also through like Tom Cruise and the but Oprah the Dianetics interview. is just the first level. This is yes. pretty publicly acceptable because Scientology in itself was started as like it's supposed to just be a practice, not a religion. It's supposed to be a way of like a replacement for like psychology like or meditation. like whatever. But this is what people think the only weak people are vulnerable to cults, and it's such a misconception because like 
we're all vulnerable to cults because it always happens where you feel irrelevant. Sure. And they make you feel heard and understood. Women are particularly vulnerable. And then the way Scientology traps people, not only with money, is that like, so you unloaded just the first day, all this stuff. If you actually went in, they'll write all of it down. And it's like, oh, if you want to leave, we'll publish online everything you've ever told us. Yeah. It was really insane because, I mean, you know, people are, the people are influenced. Sometimes you get around people and you're louder than you normally are right. or whatever. But it was like the weirdest thing. I'll just never forget it. Just this man coming over and putting his arm on his hand on my shoulder and me yeah. being like, okay, here's my money. Right. I'm like, I don't know if I were scared. I just knew that there was something I needed to do. And so that's what I did. I bought that book. It's crazy. We've all been in situations like that. It's like, no matter how strong minded you are, you can get conned. You can get manipulated. That's why I'm a lesbian. I mean, I didn't want to be. (laughs) (laughs) They were nice. You know, I didn't have a boyfriend. And, you know, you got tricked these ladies and you got roped into it. You know, what is that? A Bud Light Lime? You know what I did? Yeah, so. It's so bizarre how suggestible you are, like as a person, like how quickly you can make something that doesn't make sense make sense. I want to though. I'm like, give me a god. I'm like, give me a god. I want to. I feel that genuine envy of like you know, like religious people. Well, just genuine faithful people. Faithful people because it's like you know, for example, my cousin. Like I love him. He's very religious Christian. And so when we came to that point as kids, and I was like, oh, I'm scared of death, which I came to very early and my mom is a jew but she's like kind of like an agnostic like very practical Mm -hmm. jewish person and so i'd be like you know mom is there a heaven and my mom's like i don't know you know and then (laughs) and my cousin awesome right and my cousin goes like you know dad mom is there heaven and his dad is like yes and Mm -hmm. we're christians and and he really truly believes that so like when his father passed you know it's like okay he's he's fine like he's he's, sad, he's comforted obviously. by the fact by right. the idea that he'll he's, see them later and my that uncle, dad's in a good place absolutely and my uncle right before he passed had this you know if this is the time god takes me this is the time god takes hmm. me and it's like i know that even though i do feel like spiritual or whatever i'll never be so sure of an afterlife that mm-hmm. i don't fear that death is nothingness and i can't imagine the comfort of just being like oh no i'm 100 positive something happens after hmm. you die you know i used I mean? to have it I used to be super religious like um, we went to my brother and I we went to a Muslim school in Jamaica Queens called Aliman Mm -hmm. but they were like really strict because I mean well Shiite most Muslims are Sunni um, and the people uh, that the US and Western countries are like propping up in the Middle East are Shiite and they're a minority which is why there's all that complication in in Iraq with Saddam Hussein or whatever. Mm-hmm. But most Muslims around the world are Sunnis. And Shiites, they're not like... Can a Su- Shiite marry a Sunni? Or is that frowned upon? No, I don't think it's like really frowned upon. Okay. But I think it's more like uh, if you are Iraqi and I think maybe Syrian, like it's only like it's only a, a couple of places in the world. So right. if you are a Sunni, if you're a Shiite marrying a Sunni, you're probably marrying somebody who's not your ethnicity. Right. And so that might present its own problem. Because the marriages right. are supposed to be arranged to keep the families in like a certain structure. Well, not stuff, necessarily. Like, I just think that as with any culture, you're yeah. discouraged from... Right, right, marrying outside yeah. in general. Yeah. And so, um, so we went to 
my brother and I, we went to Aliman and it was like really crazy because I was super into it. So I was always like a bright kid. And then when we went to Aliman, I was finally challenged because in like my preschool and my kindergarten and stuff, I wasn't challenged. Right. So we get to this Muslim school. They are they're ahead of public schools in terms of right. what I was learning. And then also I picked up um, Arabic, really. <laughs> <laughs> Marsha's pouring pouring water. I just took a piss. In the <laughs> it was like a movie sound effect. Yeah. Water has never poured. It really water. sounded. What's it's that called? It's like a Vox screen or whatever, where you do the fake noises. Like What's like, that called? I don't know, but they should have, have recorded that sound. <laughs> that sound would do so well. But also, it was it was also just amazing because it was like it made the exact sound that I know that Larry David would have a freak out on the next season <laughs> yeah. of Curb for. He'd be like, "Really, really, yeah, right in the middle of the podcast." Yeah. So, um, so, so was that Larry David reference? Because I'm here. No, no. Okay, thank she God. calls herself Larry David. No, though, right? I don't. I oh, don't. I was told do? I look like him. What? Which no, is one thing to that. sound like another New York Jew. Fine. But to look like, am I balding? Like, <laughs> do you do it? I'm no, you don't. No, no. you don't. You don't Go look on, like thank him. You. <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, yeah, but so, uh, so yeah, so I was challenged because I was learning Arabic too, and there's this thing called called tartil. So like, if you, it's not the same, but like when you hear people call for prayer, that sing songy voice, mm-hmm. um, that's them calling the adhan, which is a call for prayer. But when you hear people reading the Quran in this like very sweet melodic voice, it's called tartil. Mm-hmm. And I was learning how to do that, and I was like super good at it. And then I was a girl, right? Right. <laughs> so it was like first grade, I'm killing it. Second grade, I'm killing it. And third grade, there was just there started to be things that right. I wasn't allowed to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and fortunately or unfortunately, my parents were like too poor to keep paying for me and my brother to go to that school. So mm-hmm. we went to Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, <laughs> is that like blessing? Blessed be. Okay. Um, and so. Uh, Praise be God. So we so we went to public school, and so I started getting like more like different learning, and then uh, but I was like super intense. Like I think there was like two years in a row where we didn't have Thanksgiving because I was like, Mom, that is not a Muslim holiday. And my brother and my sister were so mad at me, right? Like so <laughs> angry. Like I prided myself. I even had like a walima, which is like an like a Muslim version of a bar mitzvah, right? So I had a Walima when I was like 15, everything. But what ended up happening was like, um, I started to not, like, I don't think I intellectualized it, but I started to not like that I was a girl, so I didn't get to do stuff. Totally. Right. Like, so like men pray in front of women. If you do, if you pray in a group, which is supposed to be more blessings, mm-hmm. men always have to be in front. Right. And the explanation that I was given was that, oh, women's bodies are like really attractive to men and they're they distracting. Right? And it's like, same, okay, same. you don't think an ass is distracting to me. That's the whole thing. Your sexuality is invalid. They're like, no woman, you don't, you don't want to have yeah. sex. We have sex with you. Yeah. Or like even so a lot. So people do don't know that wearing a hijab is a choice because mm-hmm. for uh, for a lot of women it's not really a choice the same way you were talking exactly. about like same. cultural influence or whatever and so the justification for uh or the explanation for why women wear hijabs is because when angel gabriel came down to right. give muhammad the quran uh, Khadijah, his wife her hair was so beautiful that the angel couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And that's insane. Khadijah, you fucked up the Bible. <laughs> Khadijah, you 
fucked up. <laughs> like that's insane. It's her. It's, yeah. That's insane that her it's beauty like Eve ate the apple. Yeah, it's like her beauty is the one thing that, like an angel's a supernatural being <laughs> and he got felled by some shorty. Why is hair? that not the angel's fault? Why doesn't God go, you know what, Angel, you're fired. You <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So uh when it was like stuff like that, I started to like question it. And then I remember I went to um the imam at my mosque my family had a Niger- we go they still go to a nigerian muslim mosque in brooklyn and i say to the imam i was like um okay so you said god knows the future mm-hmm. but like god created time so he created the future but that means he also created the past so if god created the future and the past then he knows what's going to happen in the future and the past and i don't have free will so why do i get in trouble for stuff god knows i'm gonna do Right, and he, he just chloroforms no you. No, yeah. <laughs> well, to say it's uh, the, that like, everything you said is literally like what, when I go look at uh, Muslims and, and Jews, I'm like, they're yeah, so the similar. Fight, like, so we're, similar. We're very similar. So similar. We even course, look the same a lot so of the similar. time. It's like Jesus. You but go it's to the like, well, Arab people are Semitic. We're all the same. But it's yeah. like not even anything I think worth fighting for. Like, like we have the exact same things. So like I asked a rabbi when I was young because I used to have long red hair, mm. and it was a defining feature of mm-hmm. mine. And when I was a kid, people, teachers used to give me attention for it. It was something I, you know, teachers would come. Oh, you have such nice red hair. And I thought about getting married and losing my hair and having to cover my hair. And I mm. asked a rabbi. We had asked the rabbi anything day. So the rabbi comes in. So I think, oh, okay. I'm going to ask the rabbi anything. So I think. <laughs> That's never I said, true. <laughs> yeah. It's never true that you. You know when people are like, you can ask me. I'm not yeah. going to get mad. Right. They're going to get mad. <laughs> so I asked him community. if I could cut my own hair off mm-hmm. and make a wig of it. Oh, Would that wow. be okay? Mm-hmm. You weren't and even I got like, sent to the office. Like there was no reason. He didn't give me an answer to this day. I you don't know if that is. I think the answer would be you were finding a way around a the loophole. modesty. But but there's right. already a loophole with Hasidic women. They do wear wigs. Yeah, you know they do wear wigs. So it is really it's, good it's, ones it is, too. Actually, they're real hair. They're like they're real really hair. nice. They're real hair. So that's yeah. why I was asking. But yeah, it, I mean it's the same concept. I I even as a kid never understood that when like you felt like a girl. Like I didn't understand as a kid. Like you would be. It would be summer. It'd be 100 degrees. It'd be, you'd be boiling and, you be fully and covered. uncovered, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I don't want to play outside. Like, it's too right. hot for me. And it's like, you just, why do I have to cover? Well, because boys look like, why can't boys control themselves? Like, what right. does that even mean? Like, why do women cover because men can't control themselves? Isn't that insane that they are so, they are so committed to being disgusting mm-hmm. that they have worked being disgusting into their like divinity. Oh, absolutely. That is insane. The idea that you are not above rape, so I've got to, by, yeah. by like the word, like the, the commandment of God is to let you be a rapist. Right. And also I've got to, take on the burden of that right that's insane and you see how much like i went on this track i'm from a reformed jewish like shul so i had a different moment where i went to my rabbi and i said because they had like reformed and were like modern american jews where we barely had any hebrew in our service and i'm like which is not like a good thing it's just interesting and i said to him what if i don't believe in god what if i don't believe in god could i still call myself a jew and he said if you still practice mitzvah which is good deeds mitzvot, mm-hmm. you know then like you can still call yourself a jew and consider yourself a good person so that was a reform rabbi mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> i went on this trip called the march of the living where you go through the concentration camps in poland oh, yeah and then you go to israel and it's kind of a propaganda trip because 
<clears throat> you go through all the horrors of the Holocaust and then they send you to Israel. The first thing you do is go to where the Jews went after coming from the Holocaust. And they're like, and now do you see why Israel must be protected at all costs? And you're like, well, it's a little more nuanced. Yeah, that's, like, that's, that's a quite a but leap of logic. But they're trying to indoctrinate young Jews yeah. into this, like, basically... Israel, and I'm like, yeah, no I see compromises. it. Yeah. yeah, you got me. You yeah. got me good. And my dad is very, the that's Holocaust the only like place. That for a week. Right. And like, that's the only place me and my dad really politically agree is that he is uncompromisingly pro-Israel and you can't really have a conversation with him about it. And I, I'm a little more questioning of it. Although, you know, I support Israel as a state, yada, 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 whatever. But I do think that obviously, like, whatever. That's too long to get into for this part. <laughs> yeah. But so, and then I went to the March of Living, and one of the things you do in Poland is you go to a traditional shul that existed before, during. It's one of the only ones What's that survived the Holocaust. What's a shul? It's a synagogue. Okay. And it's one of the only places that survived the Holocaust in, in um, near Warsaw. And... So they had the boys our age, you know, go onto the floor and they're dancing with the Torah and they're getting to eat all the food and talk to all the rabbis and blah, blah, blah. And then we have the women relegated to the balcony and we're all not really having a good time. So we all get on the bus and all the girls are pissed. Like we're raised modern American Japs. Like we're like Jewish American princesses. Okay, not so sorry. That was a yeah, slur I used no, against my own. <laughs> um, like, hey, I, I, you know, it's not the same, know but word. I know Baps, that Halle Berry movie, ba- which is based <laughs> off of yeah. that thing. So it's Japs, like black yeah. American princesses. Exactly. So it's like, you know, we're like That's some pretty amazing. spoiled Jewish girls from America and we're all pissed. We're like, that sucked. We don't like how much fun you guys had, how much you don't seem to care how hurt we are. And we're only 16 at the time. And all the dudes for the next two days are just rubbing it in our face. How much fun they had, how they wish things were still like that, how wow. blah, 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 blah. That's their instinct is to be like, well, fuck you. We liked it. Mm. And it's like, yeah, you enjoyed the privilege. It was hard <laughs> to get you to give it up in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Know? I mean, like, you know, it's it's my sister uh, is a pretty super Christian at the moment. And but she's in a very sort of like liberal, um, generous, like. Uh, good to people Mm -hmm. um, church in the Bronx like an African church or whatever it's like pretty uh, modern I guess is the way to say it and so she got there her own way Mm -hmm. and my sister is she wouldn't use the F word I'm trying to get there but she's feminist right and like in this like spicy kind of Cardi B kind of way, mm-hmm. like it's her journey to feminism and mine are so different, but I'm very happy that we're both there. And it's like, you can do religion that way. And I don't right. understand why, because the problem isn't faith. The problem is religion. Right. Right. Because religions are institutions mm-hmm. and institutions are man-made. And so they they sort of will absorb the flaws of whatever society that they're in. Mm-hmm. And it's like so frustrating because I'm sure it is beautiful to feel spiritually about something and feel connected to something bigger than yourself. But I don't have the luxury because the institution pushed me away. It's just like right. I have very philosophical or like very general ideas of like I do feel spiritual like not to get too like but to land and to like just like feeling like with nature like whenever i'm out in nature we go like that's beautiful it's stunning that's like like whenever i get into the conversations of israel things like that and i am you know i I support israel but i also support whatever else is happening like i think and i realize this recently i think that when you do have a conversation about israel you have it about any other struggle of land even here in Mm -hmm. america or Mm -hmm. in canada it's like and but the Middle East is a good example. It's like you're both a hundred percent right. 
Like mm. whenever I hear it from somebody on the other side, I'm like, you are 100% right. Right. You really are. And and, and the, the other side is also 100% right. It's like, I don't think land belongs to anyone. Mm. I don't right. think countries, you go back, it's like we do these lines and things like that. Like we're all, we are, we are regenerating hmm. people. Well, this is not, the land stays here forever. Sure. We don't. Right. It, it doesn't also- belong to anyone and if we can't get along then the people who can't get along you know can't but it's like this like the mistreatment of people on land is so like right like it's it's not yours to take and it's not anyone's like right i think that they would if people came to a place welcoming and nice people would let other people there well it's you know to some extent like i just think like i get philosophical about all these things because it's like it's all nonsense at the end of the day we have to just be good to one another mm. and appreciate that the connection of the spirituality is really within us right how we connect with with nature and animals and all those things like there's really nothing else that we're sure of but right. that's what we're unable to do is right. just get along <laughs> well so what you just said about land is very interesting to me because i think about that part too because a lot of the struggle over like israel palestine is um, possession of jerusalem mm-hmm. and i just think it's so fascinating that these people are fighting so like passionately to possess land that ultimately doesn't matter in the hereafter. Right. What if somebody and else a, came to it? Somebody from Paris can go, well, I want it too. Yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't somebody come in? And, like, well, hey, well, yeah, that's what I the British did. I mean, so that's like, at least on the Muslim side, that side, that's fascinating to me because Jerusalem is holy land, but it's not the holiest. So it's like bizarre mm-hmm. that there's this like intensity in terms of holding yeah. on to it because Jerusalem is, I think, so the story is that, was it Muhammad? Or, yeah, it was Muhammad. He in Ramadan rode a horse to heaven mm-hmm. and like met Allah and stuff. And he took off from Jerusalem, which is why Jerusalem is super holy. Right. And, but you still have the Mecca and like you still have Mecca and the Kaaba and Mecca and that's the holy, that's the holiest yeah. of land. So it's like, it's it's weird because ultimately it's such a petty human desire, possessiveness, right? right? Yes. And then, but also like at the same time, it is then bizarre to think about uh, how not tied to land we should be because there's so much identity and where you come from. Right. Like yeah. even you, like you left Brooklyn so young and you feel more Brooklyn than everybody in this room. Right. I feel such a connection to being like a Jew from Oklahoma that it was like I had to get away from it where I'm like, if I can't find identity outside of where I'm from, you know, who am I? Yeah. Do you think I feel more Brooklyn or you guys think I'm more Brooklyn? Maybe it's maybe it's my perception of you. And maybe that's the kind of thing that we've got to shake off like this. Or you just saying that you identified so strongly from New York when you were. Yeah, it's so like ingrained with you where you're from. And it's like I saw a question that come back. I was like, well, I'm Canadian. But there's a thing. I mean, it's like your identity changes. It's like, well, Canada shaped me. Like Canada is where I got to be who I wanted to be. Yeah, sure. You know, and Canada is more in line with the values that I have. Like buying healthcare here was like being on the phone and being on the phone being like, I can't go to any hospital. What do you mean? What if I, I don't know where I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. Like trying to learn that I don't know if I'm going to get hurt in Queens or in Brooklyn. I just need to go to the closest hospital. Like, sure. well, it's not in network. That's right. crazy. I'm like, uh, what do you, I gotta go hospital, I hope they yeah. don't do that to you. I gotta I go anywhere. Now I have where I can go anywhere, but it's like, I was like, if you get the cheapest you know, one, they're just like, and this is only covered at one hospital and it's in Jersey city. And good luck, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, it's like, 
yeah it's just but it like is. we do it's you know, like we have such arbitrary connections to the land and it's been so much the point of fighting for so many people mm-hmm. and this is why the militia is surrounding every buffalo wild wings in the country because <laughs> um, we other- still have to fight excuse me we still have to fight for land we still have to fight for land it's like i i you know i tweet let's this fight today, for but women let's fight for people that's like let's saying. fucking let's unite like people. men unite one man to another and they have that like you were saying earlier on yeah it's like we i would that love that i think if anything though that's an important for them that's that's a better fight than i'm hearing about land mm. or i'm hearing about these arbitrary things all we know they is do each feel other, more loyalty to patriarchy than anything it's true that's why i'm trying to get women to be loyal to the matriarchy in the way that men are loyal to the patriarchy and it's a slow fight but it's gaining steam because Let's it's like it. here's the thing a coup is nigh we're all and it's like we're gonna <laughs> we won't need to fight for the land when women rule and i'm not saying i'm not saying that women will be better at ruling than men we will be but that's not what i'm saying <laughs> i'm saying that the militia has you surrounded and we are going to try it yeah exactly we're we, should try it. we should hear here try it let's just try it okay so should we end on a crush men monday yeah, I realized that you are so like cool and smart that we didn't talk about anything that happened. I love when that happens and though, when we just get into it and talk like we would what talk. What were we normally. supposed to talk about? Nothing really. I mean, this is what it's like. We have a couple things that we want to talk about. I have a man that I want to crush. There's always a hashtag oh, more crush men Monday. More, okay, more important. And there's things. a Ray vs. racism if Ray has one. And oh. We figured out your official title for the militia. Oh, right. The real racist. I am the real racist. I because Trump I, Trump people keep tweeting at Ray, you're the real racist. That's amazing. So now her official title as colonel to the militia. Yeah. Love, you know, that. it makes me so angry because, okay, so I knew that I was different from a lot of people before this election, but I didn't realize how different I am from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks their point of view is obvious, right? Right. Like everybody thinks that this is just common sense, but it's astounding to me that we could be like, we are looking at the same piece of information and like, it is just worlds apart. But the thing that's really frustrating is that, Um, It's not just a difference in perspective. They are willfully looking at it the not right way. And I know that sounds obnoxious. And I think I'm right. East Coast liberal, whatever. No, but they get away with the gaslighting. There's no like apologizing. It's a a literal normalization. You don't have to apologize for for, lying with a smile. It's really insane because I don't understand how you can look at me and see me saying, Within the context of world history, whiteness has been oppressive. Mm -hmm. And then today I say, here's an example of residual racism. Or if you're like me and you're smart, you think institutionalized, not Mm -hmm. just residual. Here's an example of that. And you can look at me and go, no, racism doesn't exist. And in fact, if racism exists, it's you who are the racist for noticing. Right. That is insane. Right. That is insane. It like it infuriates me beyond belief. Like I don't care if you think I'm an ugly nigger or whatever, but the idea that you would tell me that I am not living in reality. Like you're literally every day a For man. For the record, very beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but like, but like honestly, like every day a white man tells right. whatever variation of um, deviation from 
white maleness, straight white maleness, a cishet straight white maleness, they're literally telling you every day that your brain is lying to you. And it's not. Well, and some no, of them I know that they've been, that either they're purposely gaslighting, but I talked about this with Ayana when she was on, which is I think that privilege literally exists where you stay locked in these other worlds. So when I explained as a white woman to a, to a white male comic, I face a daily type of treatment within comedy that you will never fully see or understand. Mm -hmm. Instead of just accepting that our daily realities are different, they say, oh, she's exaggerating, even if they're on head just to make the world they live in okay because they say, why would she be seeing something every day that I don't? Why would I be but blind that's, to something? But that's, that's, again, when we were talking about with the Sean mm -hmm. Spicer thing, that's the empathy chip. Yes. Because I can't tell you that your foot doesn't hurt. Right. I can tell you that my foot doesn't hurt. I can also say, I'm sorry that your foot doesn't hurt. Right. And I can also say, what can we do to make your foot not hurt? And a lot of people don't want to go that far. Mm -hmm. But even just... I'm sorry your foot hurts. Even if I don't right. do anything, I'm sorry your foot hurts. But these people insist upon the fact that you are not in pain right. and that you're crazy for thinking pain exists. And they can do That's it with nuts. other instances. Like in Judaism, it's interesting when, when somebody loses somebody, you're supposed to say, you know, instead of your condolences, you give your condolences, but you also say, I can only imagine how you feel because you cannot know how yes, somebody right. feels when they lose somebody. So to send your condolences, you say, I can only imagine what you're going through. My deepest condolences. And and they can do it for that, but they can't do it for they anything can't. else. It's so bizarre. Well, they understand the concept. But they can't but apply it. No. I was just reading this thing where it's like, you'd think that would only apply to social issues and that every... But no, even women have actually now are talking more about how doctors don't believe yeah. their actual pain. Oh, yeah. Because there are women who will go through the pain of specifically endometriosis and yep. all sorts of diseases. And doctors, doctor after doctor will tell them they're crazy. And this happened to me. I have a bladder condition called IC that took me a full year and a half and four different doctors because I went to all these different doctors as a 17 year old. And I'm like, I have a UTI. I've taken antibiotics. It's not going away. Mm -hmm. I'm in severe pain. I've had a full I had a I had a UTI what felt like a UTI for a full year of God my life, damn. if you can imagine. And I went to all these different doctors and said, I have a UTI. And they just kind of I could tell were like, we checked, there's no bacteria. So then when I finally find a urologist in Oklahoma who says, Your insurance he knows what I have. one guy in right. Oklahoma. And he says, I know what you have immediately. You have this thing called IC and 10% of women now have this Damn. disease. 10 whole percent and they didn't even consider the possibility. No. Four doctors didn't even know that it was something. They, they are just, just said, discovering the clitoris. Now. Right. <laughs> now, they're like the clitoris is amazing. Pain, pain in the <laughs> vagina and any area of the vagina is just called like, you know, there's one word for it. It's like, it's not vaginitis, but it's like something like that. And it's like, there's so many different parts to the vagina that literally have not been researched sure. just because they have such a practice of not believing women saints. So then you take that. So it's like, we can't even get them to believe. And you know, even pain. like with uh, black people, yeah. they don't believe that we feel pain Absolutely. to the same degree that white people do you're so both athletes for us well so over and over all these studies show that um when black people are in the hospital or in emergency situations they get they receive significantly less pain medicine right because they can um, deal with it they better. can tolerate it or you know they're you know you're just so dehumanized that they don't right. believe that you're in that much pain i remember when i went to get a psychiatrist 
um, in Queens, like some years ago, it's in Forest Hills, which is pretty much the last mostly white neighborhood in Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, but R. I R. went, <laughs> so I went to this place, and at Princeton, I had been on uh, anti-anxiety medicine, antidepressants, and on Adderall, and um, to go back to Princeton before like comedy started to like maybe sort of work out, I was going to go back to school and just be like, fuck it. I'm just going to finish school and go to law school. The conditions of my uh, leave is I'm on medical leave and the conditions of my leave were that I had to be seeing a psychiatrist and a psychologist for a year. And that person would have to recommend me to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So I go and I'm like, okay, I want to go to school. Let me meet somebody. And this is the only person that was in my network. Cause at the time I had Obamacare mm-hmm. and he basically didn't believe I went to Princeton. Right. Like ju- it just, couldn't conceive of it and then when i told him what the conditions were for my readmission he was like well just go to brooklyn college oh my god far be it, like i'm not shitting on brooklyn college but Is my he gonna god tell a white kid from the upper yes. east side that why would you ever tell me to give up on princeton to go to brooklyn college because you don't trust that i went there then like he just was like um new york is strict so i'm not just gonna give you drugs like as if i was this like black druggie they gave me an adderall prescription before i even have my script (laughs) okay i'm sorry they hear my jewish nasally voice and they're like oh she must be from a family up (laughs) up, you know uptown like yeah that's bullshit go to brooklyn college can you imagine the type of lawsuit that guy would face if he said that to like the son of a real estate empire so like and then but then you know he was such a coward he didn't want to tell me he didn't want to see me anymore he wanted me to feel so uncomfortable i didn't come back jesus christ so like i was like so are you gonna meet with me again i'll bring my my uh, medical records from princeton over like you know and he was just like i don't know I, I was like i was like okay when are you next open he's like i'm going on vacation for two weeks and i was like and after that right and he was like like we have to bully these doctors into seeing us in our networks it's really it's and i worked for this doctor who was like you know kind of a funny woman she's this older jewish woman and i now have it completely confirmed if you i'm sure a lot of doctors are genuinely very busy but this woman people would be waiting for a half hour and i go and be like are you ready? She'd be in her office like reading magazines and shit. Like she's <laughs> That's like, crazy. You know? I, I love it. Uh, at, one, at the one point, I, I appreciate that it's mostly just the doctors who have been unsupportive and unbelieving. In my family, I didn't grow up with like supportive parents even. Right, like right. Jewish, like old school I was parents. Lucky that like way. forget about it. Like it's like I grew up like how probably our grandparents grew up or something mm, like that. There totally. was no support. My mother, to think of comedy, what do you even, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. to think of anything. It's like in the 10th grade, I got into high math I was in high math and I needed the TI-83 com- mm, uh, Oh, the like $300 graphic so calculator. So I was like, oh my, I need a graphic so calculator. It's $110. She's like, why don't you stay in the lower math? <laughs> I'm like, who tells their kid this? <laughs> why can't you just stay in the math for your grade? <laughs> I'm like, who does this? I went to the office next time. I'm like, she wants me to stay in the math for my grade. <laughs> Do we have an extra? And they were like, oh, honey, we'll get you the calculator. You can borrow it from yeah. us from the year. Well, and that's like, oh, why there's okay, such... Thank you. you know, I had very supportive parents and I'm very lucky, but I did not have helicopter parents. And that's where the real difference is, is yeah. that my mom, my dad was sort of the Jewish mother where he worried a lot about us. And my mom, it was like, she's so brutally honest that I wanted, when I was doing musical theater as a kid, I'd be like, mom, how was it? She'd be like, you were stiff. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why when I started doing comedy and she said, 
you're so good at comedy. I knew she knew meant it. it yeah, and okay. I was genuinely so happy to have her like approval in a way. Yeah. And, but it's funny because like, yeah, there's such, a, when I, when I worked in the Upper East Side, these kids that would come in, it's like, these kids are so mediocre. And oh. some of them are special, I'm sure. But the ones I saw, and like the, their parents are like, oh, they're the most special you've ever seen. Like they're in advanced math. Meanwhile, they should be in the math for their right. grade or whatever. Yeah. And they'll get into Princeton and they're not going to have a doctor doubting that they're supposed to be there. Like, you know, well, but the Jared then, Kushner and getting into. Exactly. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like this is the only sympathy I've ever had for it and for him. And then it d- disappeared right away. But can you imagine like your dad paid two point five million dollars so you could go to a school. And before you got to the school, mm-hmm. a person published that information in a book. Yeah, I would be like. I would be so mortified that like everybody around me knew that I was unqualified. How did Ivanka even marry him knowing this? Well, because Ivanka is not Who's like she? I mean, they're all scions of people who For like sure. who are just these like first generation like nouveau riche. Oh, like such so. Well, and these the worlds are small. Like I went to a private school my last year and a half of high school. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, no, no worries. It's just like I have have been in these private spaces where you realize oh these people have nobody to check them and even if i kind of jokingly check them it's just a joke to them because they know they're so protected like okay this guy's inheriting a minor league baseball team he doesn't care if i call him racist right you know and also like can you imagine this is insane to me can you imagine being raised with so much confidence mm-hmm. that you are 36 and no one has been able to solve the Middle East conflict, mm-hmm. but your dad-in-law says you will. Yeah. And on top of that, you're going to fix the opioid crisis. Right. Like, all in one go. And you're a Jew and working for neo-Nazis and like, anti Can you imagine the like, self-esteem that that, like, yeah, so that's why I didn't feel bad for him anymore. But, no, like, can you no. imagine? Because he probably walked into Harvard, like, okay, I didn't get the scores, but now that I'm here, I'm going to be here. And he did graduate with honors. I know there's great inflation at Harvard. I had to do that. I'm a prison girl. Sorry. Um, But like, but like, yeah, that's, you know, that's insane. But um, yeah, we wanted to get to some, we're already at like a minute, uh, an hour 20. That's okay. We'll end on a crush Ben Monday. I'll make it quick. Let's do it. So I'll do quick crushes. So a quick crush to David Clark uh, and also a slight reverse racism who said that, um, Kaepernick he called Kaepernick an opportunist which I thought was funny because it's like okay so his theory was Kaepernick doesn't mentor other black men which is false but then which is completely false but as Ray always says even if that's true even if that's true he ends it with opportunist so it's like oh yes He's an opportunist. He is a self-motivated coward who worked in the best interest of losing his job forever. <laughs> like, I'll never understand. You call him an opportunist. Like, he did it so that he, he took a knee so he could gain the opportunity of never playing again. <laughs> but also, like, not, you don't even have to go that far. You don't even have to go that far. Right. Because you could just be like, all right, so okay, like, I'm only doing charitable works because I want to be patted on the back for it. So even though, but good, you're still I'm doing still it. still helping people? Right. Okay, like, so what? You literally get tax um, credits for doing charity, or giving to charity. Mm-hmm. And when people make big donations, their name, they're getting, they're, they're, their names are published in either booklets, they're named mm-hmm. after, the buildings are named after them. Charitable acts are not ever 
pure. Okay, I want you to know I'm an amazing person. And so the idea that like, because I named my foundation after myself, it doesn't mean that the foundation is doing anything useful as garbage well, as well. Well, it's so true. It's like, okay, when a corporation gives like a small portion of its money yeah. to charity, it's like they're given all these breaks and all these applause. They they get to do advertisements like yeah, advertisements. Like when JP Morgan Chase like had a we float. Wouldn't. In we, the gay pride parade, are right. we supposed to be How like? How about when BP started donating to environmental causes? Yeah, yeah they actually have to run have these commercials. This charity, if we were just a normal society, totally, we wouldn't have to make up pay for their it. Fair right. but share. you wouldn't have to have we capitalism would, trying to excuse we wouldn't its own have, behavior. Ego wouldn't get involved in charity if the rich just paid their fair share. Right. Um, oh, you better be careful. Someone's gonna say that sounds like redistribution, and they'll come get you, <laughs> you Canadian socialist. You Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> all right well on that note i'm off to the caboots uh, so okay and then another quick crush on monday oh wait also just a quick thing on yes, the david clark in. thing i i find it astounding that a man who hates black people for the approval of white people is calling anybody an, an opportunist. opportunist like it's like well that's the whole thing it's just like these guys and they're like that's why i don't like sean spicer smiling like this is the largest emmy audience we'll ever see it's like you lied to us with a smile. We knew it at the time. It's not funny now. Mm -hmm. It's not funny oh, now. Nazis directly... are not funny. They never have been. They never. <laughs> Hitler was not a sticker. He was not like. It's not. It's just not their forte. No. Let's just leave it at that. So crush Sean Spicer. I would also like to personally crush Mark Zuckerberg because I am banned from Facebook for seven days. Mm -hmm. For um, There's this known guy in the community who I said his name on Facebook to the people that I knew know because all these guys were like well we were being diplomatic because we didn't know the story so i go here's the story he's an obsessive creep who has tried to sidle up to women to get them to move in with him before they're aware of his reputation he'll like listen to women at open it's this guy vegan jewels he goes by his name's vegan jewels you know, i've never seen this guy well he's no but i mean he's like he's just an open micer he's been on the open mic scene for four years but then i, I just had love that marcia said he's just an open micer because I mean, like four years ago that would have hurt our feelings oh so i mean bad. well that's the thing oh well we're pros now uh, right so no i mean i'm just not like no i just think it's hilarious i only say that about guys who like will make you don't a have Facebook. to feel defensive i'm no, just no, no. i was just but kidding i really like i i don't like to use open micer as like a slur unless it's a guy yeah. who uses like <laughs> he'll make like it. a vegan jewels comedian page or whatever when four he's like years never on been booked mic on a scene, show it's a slur well, and like he, he published this whole thing where he basically confessed to everything he did, thinking that it would made him seem innocent, where he said he's like a 35 year old guy whose mom pays his rent. And what? So, yeah. So, yeah. any wait, time out, time out. Yo, you can ask your mom for stuff when yeah. you're 35. That's wild, me. Yeah. Like, so that's insane. I posted this guy by name and I said, because all these different women told me that when they first moved to the scene, like they said something at an open mic, like, oh, I need a place to live. And he was there being like, oh, I have this room. And then he sent them these really suspicious public ads being like, roommate wanted female only. Like we're trying to balance out the gender of our apartment. Meanwhile, he's known to be this like sort of obsessive creep who slowly like talks to women under false pretenses and then gets graphically sexual even after they've said to stop so i wanted to warn people and then 
Facebook not only removed my post, but banned me for seven days. Meanwhile, they didn't block, like, they haven't removed so many posts that I've reported of people directly threatening women. They were targeting black female activists for such a long time. They just got exposed for selling advertisements to, like, what was it? It was, it was like Russian bots. They were literally paid in rubles. Right. Here's they the were like Russian, but they were looking for Jew haters. They Jew literally, haters, that's it, what was it was Jew haters will and the you, advertisement that they will sold. Will you reuse Facebook? Well, this is the thing. Is that like it's an important platform. My band is launching our music video on Thursday. And okay, part so, of the thing so we were, we're supposed to use do it. was we're use gonna Facebook. We're going to use it. We got to use it. But I am thinking about what well, also I get so many of my gigs through Facebook, which sucks. Like it's like I get emailed. But a lot of the times I just get a Facebook message like for a good show last minute. Like, are you available? Yeah, and, Facebook changed my like career. Yeah, Facebook. That's where you really start getting booked. When I first went to New York without Facebook, I would not have started to. So it turned out it's like. You were you were crushed, you were bashing Mark, but now you're really giving a shout out. Well, no, but it's the kind of thing like where you know it's like getting mad at socialists for voting in a two party system. It's like yeah, you have to because practically speaking, there are things I can't that you have to my do. Opportunities yeah. because they keep fucking up, and the problem is is that it's always this guise of like, oh, it's the algorithm and blah blah blah. So it's like. Okay, no, this is a human decision because it took four days for them to remove my post. There's a human making these decisions. They have no way to be contacted. And it's like, what is the environment, the human environment that is protecting over and over again the hate speech of certain people while targeting the yeah. actually marginalized? Like, they wouldn't remove this guy's post who literally said, round up the Muslim infidels, kill them all. They had thousands of people reporting it because it was a news story. It was some low-level state senator. They wouldn't remove his post. They wouldn't ban you, his page. But listen to how many people probably, like, on a, a, no, probably, like, pro-KKK articles. How many Jews probably report that and they don't remove it either. Absolutely. They have whole pages now, I'm for against, white supremacy. Listen, I'm totally against free speech. <laughs> I said that. I'm too, um, I think yeah, you were you were talking about that. It was you were talking. They say, about well, it I have stage. a joke where they say, um, they say everyone has a right to their opinion, and it's like I disagree. I've never agreed. Right. Um, right. So, <laughs> so similarly, I don't, I don't care for free speech. Right. No, 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 no. There should be a board. Right. We can, no, no. Opinions I don't agree with should not ruled by happen. women. It's as simple as that. Women Cut should determine. Should be some kind of a board. Hate speech don't agree with. Well, and also I and didn't that's threaten free speech, this guy. I don't like free speech. I'm I fine with that. I didn't say go get him. I said unfriend him, block him. Please be aware of him. And it's like you know, I'm sure the guy reported the post, whatever. But it just sucks because if I get uh, reported again, I'll be banned permanently from oh, Facebook. Wow. But then you know, whatever you live, you learn, and. The thing is, is like if I lose Facebook, I'm at the point of my career where I think that I will still be working and it'll be fine. I get most of my gigs through email now, but it just is annoying because it's like, yeah, now I'm just going to launch my Imagine music video just, elsewhere. Imagine you hopped onto somebody else's Facebook. It became like Robbie <laughs> Hoffman and Marsha Bell's That'd be Facebook. So fun. Like, we you know, make... married, like weird married yeah, that's people who like, yes. don't care. Imagine Alan. it was just like, who you had to share. Like, by the way, like forward anything for Marsha. <laughs> this Facebook. Me and Robbie have a group page now. Yeah, yeah, I'll just put it on Ray's page. I'm just like, yeah, sorry. Um, we have a joint Facebook. But no, because, you know, I don't uh, share identities or pictures of white women. That's so true. Just, that's um, true. That'll be, yeah. that'll yeah. be my ultimate coup. <laughs> is I just, I Photoshop myself into every photo with Ray. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite is like white when women. Jews were Jewish white women were claiming like, well, 
Jew is not white. I guess ethnically it's not it's not technically white. But I'm like, we're all that white privilege. I'm using it. I can tell you right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, my dad, so he was like raised in Philly in this like, you know, Italian, Jewish and black community. And he was born in 44. So he considers himself not white. So he's like this whole thing where he's like, he knows he has white privilege and he does acknowledge that. But he's like walking around my neighborhood be like, lot of Hispanics. And I'm like, Dad, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you think and he's like, oh, yeah. this PC bullshit. Like, you know, like he's like he's like a liberal and everything, blah, blah, blah. Like, but he's like, it's so funny because he does. Really he'll say this PC. And then my last crush man we don't even have time for is Kevin Hart. Kevin, you don't get to dip your paw into the benefits of patriarchy and reap all the rewards while still being a good family man. But he <laughs> does. She's standing by him and yeah. he will go on. He does and he will. I just, you know, God, I just don't embarrass don't like me it. in public. I like your thing. It's like, That's just be extorted then. Yeah. Let your wife be in peace yeah. in public. Because like my biggest fear this might be a Nigerian woman thing but my biggest fear is humiliation like do not humiliate me and it's like it's like what was very frustrating about that initial video that he put on Instagram was the audacity of you to be the one who put yourself in that situation and feel self-righteous like oh I'm better than the woman I cheated on my wife with so she's not gonna get no money from me first of all it's so misogynistic because the idea is that like oh I can violate this pardon it's like she did this yeah exactly no not just she did this but it's like i as a man can cheat on my wife and that's more okay than a woman wanting money from me absolutely and that's bullshit because that woman wasn't fucking him because he's not kevin hart Mm -hmm. she's fucking him because he's kevin hart and he's fucking her because he's kevin hart and he thinks he can do it Mm -hmm. so now when we are acknowledging that this is a transactional situation you don't get to be self-righteous about it when you've are and the only reason he announced that he'd done this thing is because he was being extorted it's like it's not like he said it's not like he was like oh my god i love my wife so much and i want to make a public yeah so it was a money it's a money thing can you imagine that you value money more than your wife of course humiliation or lack of humiliation and peace of mind so I was saying, yo, pay her off. Don't embarrass me. And my friend was like, well, you know, extortion will continue. Yeah, what if it keeps going? That she was asking about. That's you know what? You still pay that. No, 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 boy. You don't get to keep the money. (laughs) That money's now mine. mine. Check. Yeah. Plus do your public apology. Then we're gonna talk. Yeah. That's how it is. Right. Well, he doesn't get to keep this money. And I'm his wife. I'm like, right. What was the amount? Uh Write me a check. Dear two, yeah, make it out two, Robbie, <laughs> Robbie Hoffman, double F, just like Dustin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thank you. But also, just like this, um, my friend was like, "Oh, you know, if if you give money to an extortionist, they're gonna keep asking for more money." And I'm like, "Yeah, now you're paying rent on the humiliation <laughs> that you moved into my home." Yeah. yeah. You pay yeah. for that shit. Yeah, yeah. You and did she's that. Pregnant. Well, and it's yeah. all these excuses these men will make for each other, and it's like you said. A man's consistent disregard for oh, the women in his life, he'll still never be seen as not a family man, not a good guy. Yes. He'll he, never lose his reputation as long as it's only his women and children. That he's he suffering. Especially if he says just, 
I'm sorry and I feel so bad. Then they're like, well, literally, what else could you want? Like, if they don't apologize, maybe some men will be like, well, he did a bad thing. But just one I'm sorry and every guy is like, well, that could be me. We have to forgive him. That's so insane that... Yeah. It's like, like when the Joss Whedon thing went down, I really wanted it to result in a major backlash. I knew it wouldn't, but I really wanted it to. He lost his fan page. That's it. Because the thing is, like, um, it's insane to me that you are lying to and betraying the person who loves you most on a daily basis and people don't regard that as a character flaw while they'll say that that's personal while co-opting the optics of female empowerment we don't even have to go that far with joss Whedon because i don't even care if he's presenting as a feminist it's more egregious yeah because he's covering up more like sinisterly but just in general the idea that you are barely present for your family and that you lie to someone who has your back all the time is not and that's not considered a character flaw worth you know being castigated for it's insane because what it reveals is that you don't care what happens to women because they're not as valuable the only crimes that are worth giving a shit about are the crimes against men and of course men who are straight are not going to romantically betray their male friends so there's no possible way that any crimes against women in your life or your children is going to result in any professional or real social consequences and that's really frustrating for me like I don't want to make it seem like I'm a good woman to dudes all the time I got my own crazy just like everybody else but the idea that like Kobe Bryant could be accused of rape and at the very least he had cheated on his wife in the most embarrassing way Mm -hmm. and all he had to do was basketball his way back into good graces and he wasn't even a nice guy he was a dick he has a reputation for dick right and it's like that's insane to me because had i ever ever had someone accuse me not just of cheating on my man but assaulting them Mm -hmm. i would never recover because a woman's existence is tied to her domestic life and a man is only everything but his domestic totally wow that's so fucking true that's so amen on that men are greedy they always want both and it's like you know what you don't get both and especially once the militia coos that's a t-shirt right there (laughs) that is a t-shirt we're gonna make we gotta make these tees yeah i gotta gotta, 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 guys so on that Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Robbie Hoffman, our Thank guest. Thank you for coming. I Thank really you for coming. You. Please look her up. She is hilarious. Her stand-up is hilarious. She's writing for the Chris Gethard Show, which I is a Robbie hilarious Hoffman show. on Twitter. Robbie Hoffman on Twitter, R-O-B-B-Y, right? Yeah, it's I am R-O-B-B-Y Hoffman on Twitter. Robbie Hoffman, who has the handle Robbie Hoffman, has 37 followers. Uh. He's in like, <laughs> Minnesota and won't give God it. damn it. Ray, as always, watch the President Show. Yeah, and it's Girl Code on show. Snapchat too. And Girl Code on Snapchat. I think we are on our last one. I loved I your feminist starting lineup one. <laughs> obviously my I my love friend that. texted me. He was like, "Really? You gonna make your mom a role player?" Fuck <laughs> 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 you. Yeah. So good. Um, if you're in Philadelphia, come see me. I'll be doing a show on Friday or Saturday, September 23rd, at the Iron Gate Theater at the University of Pennsylvania with Reductress and Emmy Blotnick and Aparna Nancherla, which are That's some of my favorites. That's such a sweet lineup. Amazing comedians. Um, thank Emmy you writes on our show. She's our head writer. Emmy Blotnick is the head writer on the President Show. See, we're all connected and slowly the Amazing. women are inching the men out. Yep. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back soon. Thank you. Bye. Kill them all. <laughs> Do not.
not manslight me or manslight me. Miss Andrews! <laughs> <laughs>